So I'm loving church this morning. I mean, I am seriously loving it. Um, and that word, that scripture that I couldn't think of. Uh-oh. There we go. I can't think of. It's got something to do with the wind blows. And I find in uh, John chapter 3 and verse 8, which, Heather, you don't have, but I know you know how to get it. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. I'm not going to do it right now, but where it says the wind, the word wind is translated from the Greek word pneuma. You continue reading, and it says, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Spirit's translated from the very exact same word, pneuma. So... um, I'm back there fussing with that thing and um, I, I, I see where the drywall's got a dent in it and I put my hand over and I'm thinking to myself, I should get a picture or something and hang it over this drywall dent and I can feel the drywall vibrating. Now, I can't see anything acting upon the drywall to cause it to vibrate and uh, I think, well, that's, you know, it's pretty much following... Jake's guitar. So the sound waves are going through the room and they're affecting the room to the point where if I put my hand on the drywall, I can feel it. I can feel the pattern with my hand that I can hear with my ear back there. I come up here, I, I get on my knees to see the Lord and he, he, he takes me to here to John chapter 3 and verse 8. And, and I want you to know that what was happening here this morning was exactly what this scripture says. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but not know, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So we have this wind, this pneuma um, called Holy Spirit. And the wind is blowing through this place. And we're getting ready to do, you know, what we do. We got a pattern that we follow, you know, because I guess until we know to do better, we'll just do it like that. But the wind blows, whoosh, and it blows across Kennard. And then the, or it blows Kennard up here. I don't know exactly how it works, but the wind blows. You know, I didn't see the wind blow, but I saw its effect, right? The tree branches and the leaves, they go like this. And I can't see, I'm like, wow, look at that tree. It's bowing. It's not bowing. It's surrendered itself. It can't, it's not strong enough to resist the wind. And I don't see the wind, but I see the tree bow, right? And, and then, I mean, I don't remember the order, and forgive me if I forget you, but, and then the wind blew, and up came Manu, and, and up came Gale. And the wind is blowing, but we can't see it, but we see the effect of it. We see the effect of it. We see the effect of it. And it's coming, I promise you. Um, when, when we talk about spiritual gifts in, in, in substantial depth, you're going to see in 1 Corinthians 14, um, the Apostle Paul is explaining to the church at Corinth, when you gather, he uses those words, when you gather. This is a when you gather, right? When you gather, one will have, or two or three might prophesy, some might have a tongue, others will have an interpretation, some will have a revelation. Remember, they're not holding a Bible in their hands with uh, electronic screens to show the Scriptures. They, they don't even know, other than the Old Testament, that there's even going to be a New Testament. 
but they have the Holy Spirit. And, and somebody has a revelation, and then the Lord stirs a psalm in somebody, kind of like Kennard comes up here, and he sits down at the piano. And, and, you know, and people might say, well, you know, church ain't supposed to be like that. God's a God of order. I'm like, no, 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 no. That is the God of order. And, and when we'll surrender ourselves to the place where, you know, not having control is kind of scary sometimes, right? But if we trust the Holy Spirit, we, you know, we might get a, a goofy thing every once in a while. Who cares? That might not be the Spirit, but it's a good heart, right? This is what church is supposed to be like. It really is. So I just want to commend you that this is a place where Holy Spirit is comfortable to come. He's not resisted by our pride. And you're surrendering yourselves to his moving. When the wind blows, we get to see the evidence of it. It's very nice. Okay. Well, that was a good sermon. (laughs) I don't want to hear any amens. Not yet. High five. I think what I'm going to do I only have, uh, Heather's been putting the scriptures in the computer for me in the morning. And she's like, what, only three courses of scripture? And I'm like, yeah, but one of the courses is all of a chapter. The next one is two-thirds of the next chapter. <laughs> so it's, it's deceptive in that it doesn't take up much room on the, on the description line of the screen. Sometimes they go below the screen where you can't even see them. But it's still a lot of scripture. Maybe, maybe I'm not going to tackle that thing this morning. And I'll go back and talk about last week with a little bit of just personal stuff that I want you to understand. I feel very powerfully that, that, that I've neglected, and since I have it, to some extent you have, this necessary thing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So um, I think last week I was so impressed by that that I got my court cart a little bit out in front of my horse. I, I didn't I I did a fair amount of study, even extra biblical study, but I'm not sure I was quite ready to have that conversation yet. Like what's first and second and next and how do you want me to present it, Lord? But you know, me, I'm like ready, shoot, aim kind of guy and um I did. So I wanna kind of draw myself back a little bit, review a little bit about what we said last week. I want to tell you the struggle that I'm having, and then I think we're going to be plenty time used up before I, I want to talk about each of the instances in the book of Acts where we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is really the place where, where we see it and we can actually know that's the conversation. Uh, it's probably in other places in the New Testament, but... Um, not nearly as explicit. Those five places are really important. One of the things I guess I want to also make sure, and I I mean, I I tried to pound this home last week because the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's doctrine that it would indicate, not everybody agrees with it, that that the evidence, the, the initial evidence is speaking in other tongues. But then the devil gets people to hear, well, are you telling me if I don't speak in tongues, I'm not saved, I'm not going to heaven, and, and that's not at all the case. Everyone who's come to faith, saving faith, has the Holy Spirit in one sense. And if they die, they're going to heaven. 
They belong to God, having the Holy Spirit, not, not the evidence of speaking in tongues. So I want to make sure that I, that I continue to make that point. So there's two, really, honestly, to say there's two wouldn't even be biblically true. Um, I think somebody talked about Acts chapter 5. Maybe it was you, Kennard, I don't remember, but they were filled with the whole. No, it might have been Gail. They were filled with somebody. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 13, it says they were continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and in other places, it talks about, and the Spirit came upon them, and. So to say that there's just two is really not biblically consistent, but there's two that we really got to understand and are controversial within the church. So that's when I say two, that's what I'm talking about. But there's really... In a believer's life, there should be many, many, many coming-ons or baptisms in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the two. First, at the point of confessing saving faith, a person receives the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, now this is review a lot from last week. The Spirit becomes one, their Spirit becomes one with the Holy Spirit. So when you get to that place of faith where you've actually expressed faith unto being saved... At that moment, your spirit and God's spirit become one spirit, and they're inside of you, and you have the Holy Spirit, and you're born again, and you belong to God, and you're going to heaven. There's a a word that's used twice in the scriptures. In Titus, not Titus, is it Titus? I don't know why. I always get Titus and, who's the guy? Jude. I always get Titus and Jude mixed up for some reason. So I think it's Titus, maybe it's Jude, doesn't matter. It talks about the washing of regeneration. So, so when you express that faith in that instant, you're regenerated, you're born again, your spirit become, you become spiritually a new creation in Christ. That is the first instance of getting the Holy Spirit in a Christian sense. And, and don't be shy now. Is there anybody that, that's, that doesn't have a good understanding of that? Okay, like stamp that one hard. Okay. A sealed, that's that's when you become sealed as well. Now the second receiving of the Holy Spirit is called the baptism. And and in my Bible translation, which is far inferior to the King James, I know, but it's, it's just the one that I use. I actually don't know that. It uses the word baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then it footnotes it, and it says it could actually be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And and I I studied that a little bit, and I think in is a better word than of. But if we understand what it means, the words don't matter that much. When we become baptized in the Holy Spirit, the one who's actually baptizing us is Jesus. And the baptism is in the Holy Spirit. When we get baptized in water... We don't say baptized of water. We're put in water. And, and baptized itself, the Greek word, <laughs> baptizo, doesn't, it, it doesn't, it's not built from our understanding of baptism. It's like if you were going to release a fish, you caught a fish and you are going to release it, you'd baptize it in the lake. But you wouldn't baptize it out of the lake. You just, you just drop it in the lake. It's baptized. You, right, right, wait, right. Keith would eat it. Right. Yeah, me too. Anyway, so so to be baptized means to be 
submerged or immersed. Now, when we, we don't have a word for that, we have words for that. So I guess, you know, King James or somebody, his guys, they, they just transliterated baptizo into baptize. So the, the English word baptize is just made up from that. Otherwise it would say, you know, that you are fully submerged in the water. When you use the word baptize, it would just explain it, right? So now we, as English speakers, we have this picture of baptized that, that is going in and coming out. And, and in, the, in the sense of water baptism, that's true, right? If you leave them down there too long, they, they can't come out. So you put them down in there, you bring them up out, and <laughs> she meets with me every Thursday. She, she has a hope and hack of understanding my humor. It's, it's okay. Thank you very much. Everybody else is like, well, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, don't encourage me. Okay, so, so, so we have this, this, this picture of baptized goes in and it comes out. And, and for the, the symbolic thing, that works really good. But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the idea is you never come out. That you get baptized in that spirit and then that becomes the outflow of your life. Is That spirit becomes the outflow of your life. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is different than the getting the Holy Spirit when you confess faith. And, and there's, there's instances in the book of Acts that indicate that. Now, let's see. Um, the second receiving of the, of the Holy Spirit in the sense of baptism doesn't appear to be automatic, right? When you confess faith, when your heart turns to Jesus in faith unto your salvation, you get the Holy Spirit. Nobody has to lay hands on you. You don't have to say a prayer, nothing. It's just the automatic result of, right? If you step off a cliff, the automatic result of gravity is you go down. You confess faith in Jesus, the automatic result is his spirit comes to dwell inside of you. But scripturally, it doesn't look as though the baptism of the Holy Spirit is necessarily automatic. So if you look in um, Philip and Samaria, the one we talked about at some length last week, the... The people came to faith. We know they came to faith, well, because the Bible tells us so, but also because Philip baptized them, right? So now, now they've, they've come to faith, they've been given the Holy Spirit, they've been baptized in water, and the word gets back to Jerusalem that that's happened. Peter and John, lickety-split, shoot off to get to Samaria because they want to make sure they receive the Holy Spirit. And it's like, well, wait a minute, they did receive the Holy Spirit. In one sense, they did. In the second sense, they didn't. So then, <laughs> Peter and John lay hands on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. And that case was one where the second, the baptism, didn't happen automatically with their belief. It, it seemed to require some external something happening. That's also true at Ephesus with these 12 disciples that the Apostle Paul runs into. And, and it's interesting, they're called disciples, which would indicate to me they're probably Christians, right? When Paul meets them, the scriptures would indicate the first concern he had for these disciples was, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul, come on. I mean, you wrote half the New Testament. You know better. If they're disciples, of course they receive the Holy Spirit. So he's not asking about that. He's asking about the receiving of the Holy Spirit that 
uh, Peter and John went to accomplish in Samaria when Philip was working. So he's asking, do you have the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we don't even know there is a Holy Spirit. So he explains to them, he asked them, well, into what baptism are you baptized? They said, into the baptism of John. So he, it doesn't, it doesn't say the words that he said, but he spoke to them, which I would assume would be the gospel. It says he baptized them in water, and then he laid hands on them and baptized them in the Holy Spirit. So we know that, they, that, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, believed that they had the Holy Spirit in the first sense, because he baptized them. You don't baptize people that don't, haven't given a, made that confession of faith to Jesus. And then immediately he laid hands on them. So it wasn't automatic. It, it took a second thing. And then the third one, and this one's a little trickier, is Saul of Tarsus, who we know as this Apostle Paul. He's, he's going down the road to Damascus, he's, gonna, he's got papers that say that he can take captive these, these followers of the way, these Christians, and imprison them and do whatever kind of evil he's going to do. And this bright light and this voice shows up on the road, and it's Jesus himself. Now, I think pretty much all of the you know, Bible smart guys believe that in that interaction, Saul was saved. He was born again, he got the Holy Spirit. I think that's true. And then he was told by Jesus to go back or go on and wait that somebody was going to come. And then this somebody whose name is Ananias gets told by God, listen, there's this guy Saul. He's like, whoa, I know who Saul is. He's like, yeah, I want you to go lay hands on him. Tell him how much he's going to suffer for my name's sake. And I was like, you sure you really want him? This is where we'd be going like, oh, that's not God. You masquerader devil. You know, we'd be like, you wouldn't want me to go see that guy because he wants to kill me. But Ananias was told, nope, you go and you do it. It's okay. He'll be waiting for you. And there's more to the story. We'll read it together later. He goes. He, he explains to Saul that he's come, that the scales might come off his eyes, and that he might receive the Holy Spirit. Well, if the Apostle Paul actually got saved on the road to Damascus, which everybody seems to agree is true, then he received the Holy Spirit on the road to Damascus. Yet there was this other thing that God required, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, and somebody had to go and initiate that process in Paul or Saul at that time. So there's three times where we can get an indication that it's not automatic. But we can't build a doctrine out of that because... There's there's other instances where it appears that it is automatic. The day of Pentecost is one I would put in that category, except Jesus told them to go and do something and wait for it. So it didn't actually happen when he breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit. At that point, they were born again. They were sealed for their eternity in the Holy Spirit, in Christ. He told them to go and wait. So, I mean, I could put that one in either category. But the house of Cornelius, you can't deny. There's this Roman centurion, Cornelius. He's a Gentile. He's, he's an important guy. Um, kind of in parallel, he gets this vision, or this angel comes and talks to him and says, send some of your people to this place and go get this guy called Paul. 
or excuse me, Peter. And kind of parallel to that, Peter's having this vision experience that tells him, hey, some guys are going to come and, and tell you to come with them over to this place to see this guy Cornelius. You go with them. So the guys come. Peter's waiting for them. They get together, and, and they go back to Cornelius's house. And then Cornelius explains why he sent for him, and Peter says, that's cool because God told me you would, and, you know, here I am. And Peter starts to share the gospel with Cornelius and the people of his house. And at some point, they begin to start to speak in other tongues. They appear to have gotten born again, received the Holy Spirit, and then baptized in the Holy Spirit like like that, just boom, boom, right now. There was nobody sent to lay hands on him. Peter doesn't appear laid hands on him. So we can't say that it's, I think we can safely say it's two things, but we can't say that it couldn't necessarily just happen automatically, that it always requires the laying on of hands. Are you tracking with me so far? Okay. The next thing that, you know, that, that I would try to understand is to understand whether or not I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. We'll just use me as the example. It appears that it's accompanied by a physical sign or signs, like a literal something you can see. On the day of Pentecost, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We don't have to wonder what happened on the day of Pentecost. They never questioned, hmm, I wonder if this was that baptism thing that Jesus was talking about. They understood that when the Holy Spirit descended upon them and like tongues of fire, and they all started to speak in other tongues, that that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had told them to expect. There was a sign that accompanied it. Well, there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind as the Holy Spirit descended from heaven. But there was a sign of speaking in other tongues. So that's the first instance. Philip and Samaria, there is no indication that they spoke in other tongues. No explicit indication that they spoke in other tongues. But there was this guy, Simon, who had some, you know, demonic sorcery powers that people were impressed with that actually got saved. He was baptized. He must have been one of the ones that Peter and John laid hands on. And and this Simon sees something so amazing that he wants to offer money that he could be given this power to baptize people in the Holy Spirit. Well, if, if all that happened was nothing... Simon would have, would have kept his money in his pocket. So we know there was a sign. We just don't know for sure what the sign was. So instance number one, the sign is speaking in other tongues. Instance number two is something, but we don't know what it is. The house of Cornelius is the... Saul, Paul, is the next instance, but we'll talk about that one in a minute. The house of Cornelius is the next one. Peter preaches the gospel. They receive and somehow appropriately respond to the gospel. They receive the Holy Spirit in the initial sense, and then they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And and the reason why I know that that's that, and, and that's some of the long scripture that I had for you today, but we'll do that next week or whenever, is that in in Jerusalem, the head of the Christian church, the, you know, the church, they didn't really think that Gentiles could get saved. They, they believed that salvation 
was for God's people, the Jews. But right after that experience starts this, this telling of Peter in Jerusalem, and he's like, no, no, they get to be saved too. How do you know? I know because what happened to us happened to them. He, didn't, he wasn't referencing Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. He was referencing the day of Pentecost, which Jesus told him was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So in essence, he's telling his cohorts that they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. The evidence that convinced Peter, that he used to convince James and John and all the other guys, was they spoke in tongues. So now we have three instances. The first one, at the point of the baptism, they spoke in tongues. The second one, at the point of baptism, something happened, but we don't know for sure if it was tongues. We have the third time now, and we know by Peter's telling that that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues. So now two out of three is speaking in tongues. Go to Ephesus with the Apostle Paul. I just explained it. Do you, do you have the Holy Spirit? Oh, I, we don't even know there is a Holy Spirit. And we go through that whole thing again. He lays hands on them. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They speak in other tongues and prophesy. So I say, I say signs potentially because something happened in Samaria that we don't know what it is. Something happened in Ephesus and we do know what it is. But it's more than just tongues, but it includes tongues. So now, four times in the book of Acts, we see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, something happens. I don't know exactly what it is, but it was powerful. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues and prophesy. Now, it was one out of one, it's one out of two, it's two out of three, it's three out of four. The fifth time is the Apostle Paul himself, when Ananias came to lay hands on him. There's no indication of that he spoke in other tongues or he prophesied or some powerful thing happened that somebody might want to pay money to get. But later we hear Paul say, I'm glad that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So it can't make a doctrine out of that one. But we know that now we're three out of five where there's evidence, it's tongues. Fourth out of five, which is Samaria, there was evidence, but we don't know the evidence. But from the pattern, we might assume that the evidence was tongues. And with the apostle Paul, or Saul of Tarsus at that time, we know that he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because later he said, I speak in tongues more than all of you, if that's the true measure. But we can't say for sure what happened in that moment. The first receiving of the Holy Spirit is assumed. Nobody fights about that. Some would argue that that's, that's all the receiving of the Holy Spirit. But I don't think you could find any non-cultic, you know, legitimate stream of Christianity that would argue with when you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit. Everybody would agree with that. The second one, the baptism, at best has been neglected. I, I think I'm guilty of that. Worse has been ignored, and worst has been denied within legitimate streams of Christianity. The first requires no obedience to God, but only sincerely responding to the gospel, right? You don't have to do anything but agree with the gospel. Commit yourself to responding to the gospel. There's nothing else you have to do. You get the Holy Spirit. But the second is commanded. 
And I say that because Jesus told his disciples after he gave them the commission, here's the work you're to do. Go do it after you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until go there and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I don't think it's one of those things like, um, you know, if, if he wants me to have the baptism, then he'll give it to me. But if he doesn't, then I'm just okay with that. It's like, no, no, no. He never told those guys, some of you go because you're the baptized ones. And you other ones, you just go be like the non-baptized ones. He gave them a commission, to, to the whole church a commission. He even said words like, these signs will follow. Those signs seem to be kind of things that would require power. Go there, get baptized, receive power, then go be my witness. So at best, it's been neglected. Worse, it's been ignored. And worst, it's been denied in the church. Now, here's my dilemma that I'm wrestling with. See, you guys get to swim in my pool a little bit. And you should pray for me because it's not easy for me because there's, there's, there's consequences, so to speak, either way I go if it's wrong. And I can't know if it's right because I have five examples. Three of them give me one in indication. The other two sort of, kind of do. But I can't make an absolute statement from the Scriptures. I can make this absolute statement to the Scriptures. Without Jesus, Jake, you will not go to heaven. Guaranteed. Absolutely. Well, you're pretty confident about that. I am because I can read the words explicitly. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one goes to the Father but through me. So I don't, I don't, I don't have to have a, uh, an understanding that is built from you know fifty different scriptures. I got that one right there. It's all I need. It's true, but this isn't like that. So my d- dilemma isn't the necessity of the baptism. I think I can demonstrate that clearly from Scripture. My dilemma is not that we should seek and lay hands on one another the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because I can see that crystal clear in the Scriptures. My dilemma is, should I be dogmatic about the sign of speaking in other tongues? That's my problem. And here's why that's a problem for me. If I'm dogmatic about, dogma dogma means like I'm absolutely, you know, there's no other way, this is what we're doing, and and I'm going to lay hands on you every Sunday until you demonstrate, God demonstrates through you that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I might be wrong. And you might actually be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and maybe in Samaria nobody smoked, spoke, smoked tongues. <laughs> don't smoke tongue. Well, maybe you could, I don't know, but don't, don't, don't roll a tongue. Spoken tongues. Maybe in Samaria it just didn't happen. And the Bible didn't say it happened, and it just didn't. I don't know. And maybe when Saul of Tarsus was baptized in the Holy Spirit by the laying on of Ananias' hands, he didn't speak in tongues. So my problem is if I, if I dogmatically press this and you don't speak in tongues, I'm making it hard for you because I'm telling you I can prove to you that you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and I'm telling you you're not if you don't speak in tongues and I'm wrong. The flip side of that is if you know you're baptized in the Holy Spirit because you speak in other tongues... But I say, but you might be if you're not. And, and the first is true, that, that you are because you've exhibited that sign from God. 
and I'm not dogmatic about it, then we got a bunch of people. It's almost like be thinking you're saved when you're not, right? So you run around, you live your life, you die, you go to be judged, and you just can't wait to come charging through the pearly gates. And Jesus looks at you and he says, I don't know you. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. I prayed that prayer. Remember when I prayed that prayer? And Jesus is like, nope, I don't. And that's a horrible thing because at that moment, they don't have any way to fix it. They're done. They're going to go to hell and stay there. Same is true about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What if you're running around? What if you're, what if you're coasting downhill in your car and you've got no gas, but you don't know it because you're going downhill? And, and, and you never figure out that I never had any power in my car because you had this coast. What if you went through your whole life as a Christian not baptizing the Holy Spirit because the guy said, hey, listen, you know, you might still have it even though you didn't speak in tongues. And then you get to stand before Jesus and he says, welcome, and you get to come in. And then you're like, hey, where's my treasure? And they're like, well, you got a little bit right here. Well, whose pile is that? Well, that's so-and-so. How in the world did they get that? Oh, these, these mighty deeds they did for God in the power of the Holy Spirit after the baptism. Well, what about me? Well, yeah, you didn't have that. Why not? Well, because you thought you had it, but you didn't really have it. So this is what I'm wrestling with. Here's where my heart is. I want to preach the dogma. I want to say that the three times indicate a pattern that we can trust. The fourth time is probably like the three times. And the fifth time, I don't know, but Paul was like, I speak in tongues more than anybody, so I know at least it happened to him, right? That's my challenge. So I'm giving it to you straight. The best way I know to give it to you, but I'm telling you, I want us to pray for one another until, and let me just back up a second. There's more than speaking in tongues. You know, I love and hate some of the testimonies I hear. People, people will tell me, oh man, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, my whole life changed. They were already Christians. Somebody laid hand on them. They started speaking in tongues. But it's like, like they're watching black and white TV and it turned to color. They were watching, you know, 720p or whatever, and it turned to 4K. It's like everything, I mean, seriously, you need to hear them talk. And then you'll be like, right, Keith, it's like it was little and it got big. It was, it was, it was all dull and it got shiny. Okay, yeah. Keith, right? <laughs> you know, it smelled, like, it smelled like your dog before the skunk or after the skunk, and it smelled like your dog before the skunk, after the perfume bath. Yeah, Kennard. Yep, as, I, as you're coming, I'm going to talk a little bit, though. <clears throat> Except if I could remember what I wanted to say. So I'm telling you all this because I want to just be honest with you. My heart says that we should look for the sign. but I can't prove it to you. But I want to keep praying until we do. I don't want anybody who doesn't receive the sign or all of a sudden 4K TV in their eyes to think that God doesn't love them. Because one of my questions is, I don't see in the scriptures where anybody's got to work too hard to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The guys laid hands on them, they got it. Paul, Peter, John, boom. It just, it just happened. So I'm, one of the things I'm asking the Lord is, Lord, I'm not seeing that. 
And just so you know, you're never the problem. I'm always the problem when things don't happen biblically in the church the way I see it. It's like, Lord, is there some sin in my life? Is there some unbelief in my life? I I mean, I'm the leader. I, you know, I want to see the Bible in the church and I'm pressing in and I'm praying. I want you to know that I am, I'm going to continue to press this until we have a Pentecost in this joint and the Holy Spirit fall in this joint, <laughs> in this little joint that we join at. In, in, you wascoey wabbits. This, um, you got that, didn't you? <laughs> in, 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 until the, the, the Holy Spirit drops like a mighty rushing wind and blows through this place in such a powerful way that there's so much noise that the people start coming around and, and we're speaking in other tongues and they're knowing what we're saying like on the day of Pentecost. Or up here, pow, it happens and it happens and it happens. And I can see in here what I see in the Bible. But I don't, I, I don't want to tell you in my dogma that you couldn't argue against me because the scripture's not absolute. Okay, Kennard. That I was awesome, with, Kennard. I relate with your struggle, that's for sure, for years. I struggled with that same thing. And... The simplicity of it is is this, is that Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift, receive the power, and you shall be witnesses to me. That's the first thing. It was power. You talked about Stephen. Stephen went down and with his preaching in Samaria, by his preaching, devils came out, people of the lame walked. That's what they saw. Then we see... Peter and John going down and laying hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Spirit. So it seems to me that that's the standard, to be baptized in the Spirit, period. So there are many who have waited on God for weeks. I know a young man who's a prophet today, who is a Lutheran minister, good friend, you know him, he lives on Drummond, and he waited for a long time to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he finally did, and his life changed, just like that. I was there when it happened. had nothing to do with me. But his life changed. Power. The gift. And he spoke in tongues. I heard him speak in tongues. I speak in tongues. I spoke in tongues. But I want to tell you two experiences that I had. Some time ago. Quite a while ago. I was in um, Columbia, South Carolina. I had a tent set up and I was preaching. And early in the morning, one morning, I'm sitting over at a little restaurant drinking coffee. And this fellow comes in, and he had a suit coat on, no tie. And, Brother Van Camp? Uh, yeah. I'm Reverend so-and-so, the Baptist preacher over here. I said, oh, nice to meet you. You going to build a church? That was his question. I said, no, I'm not going to build a church. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. God bless you. He left. So the next morning, I'm... Uh, sitting there again having coffee, and he comes in again. He says, Brother Van Camp, uh, the, Lord, uh, the Lord sent me and said, uh, he wants you to pray for me. I said, okay. So he sat down. Now, I knew where he was at. I, I knew that he did not know, really know, the power of the Spirit. I knew that. But so what? What am I going to do? until he came in and sat down and said, pray for me. I put my hands on him, and I tried to pray, and all I could do was speak in tongues. And he, uh, he bristled up like that. He's a Baptist. Baptist don't speak. Uh, just like that. 
Mm. He stood up and pulled his hanky out, wiped the tears out of his head. <laughs> Thank you. And left. That was it. Well, not quite. I was the pastor. Hold that thing in front of your face. Talk with the other hand. Oh, sorry. There you go. There you go. It, that wasn't quite it. Years later, many years later, I was the pastor of the Harvest House. And I'm sitting at night in our den, whatever it was, and the phone rang. I picked it up. Is this Brother Van Camp? I said, yes. This is Wayne. And I said, I know who you are. I don't remember his last name now. I mean, time. And um, I know who you are. He said, Brother, you prayed for me in that little restaurant. I said, I remember. He said, do you want to know what you prayed? I said, okay. I don't know what I prayed. Praying in tongues. This He's, is a Baptist guy, right? Yeah. Okay. I Same guy. Connect the dots. Oh, guy. sorry. Well, everybody else got it. I know what I'm saying, but... <laughs> well, brother, you prayed that I'd be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I said, really? He says, yes. And I was. And he says, and they threw me out of the church, and he's involved in something else now. He spoke in tongues. And he started getting discernment. And he had power over devils, and they didn't like it. Because, well, you're friends, you know. You don't want to get rid of them. So, he spoke in tongues. But he got power to cast out devils. And his life became fruitful. I was in Omaha, Nebraska some years later. I'm sitting on a sofa. I'm just giving you examples here. I want to clear something up. And I was in the home of a young uh, a couple with two children, and he was a post, postman. And he, he um, um, went to the Assemblies of God. Nice guy, Tom Ross. Tom and Lydia Ross. I'm under a Facebook thing now. So Tom never prayed out loud in his life. Never. The baby, like Sarah or Ben, they'd pray for the food. Or Lydia, they'd pray for the food. Kids and the mom. He'd never pray. Real reserved. So we're sitting in the living room one night, and I'd been preaching the gospel there to a bunch of people that were sitting there. And one young guy named Rodney, he was a part of the Air Force there. He got saved that night. He received Christ that night got born again. I turned to, to Tom. Tom... He's sitting next to me, Lydia, me, Tom, in the sofa. Tom, have you ever received a baptism of the Holy Spirit? He says, no. It's like that. I said, you mean you never spoke in tongues? He says, yeah. He's a part of the assembly of God. If you don't speak in tongues, you can't have the Holy Ghost in the assemblies of God. Now, that was the first church I really went to. So I know what I'm telling you. And I've been around for a while. So, I said, what would you like to? He says, yeah. I took him by the hand, and I prayed for him. He's sitting there with tears in his eyes. His wife says, hey, while we're on a roll, I get this pain in my feet. I said, well, I'll pray for you. He says, I'll pray. He stood up, walked around, got on his knees before his wife, put his hands on her feet, and prayed out loud for the first time in his life. Will you deny him the Holy Spirit? He didn't speak tongues. You shall receive power to be my witnesses. Your tongue will open up to speak the gospel to people. You'll have power in your life to know to walk straight. But you'll have power in your life. You'll see the needs around you and you'll speak to them. 
You'll hear from God. You'll hear his voice. He'll talk to you. That's the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And he'll move you about. So the whole tongues issue, that's the letter. Let's go to the Spirit. The Spirit is you receive power. So why shouldn't we seek God for the gift of the Holy Spirit? For his fullness. What if I have to fast? I mean, we all like the magic wand. Oh, I'll put my hand on you. We all like that. doesn't always work. <laughs> Sorry. What if you had to fast? What if you had to find a closet someplace? I've read a lot of the stories of men of God over the years, women of God over the years. A lot of them spend hours a day, weeks, months in a closet praying for God to do something in them until finally he shows up. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for every one of us. But we also have to want that. And you know what? There is no place of... What's the word I want, Pat? Yeah. There is no place of... I'll use this word, apathy, lethargy, complacency. Thank you, Teresa. There is no place for that. Let me tell you what Jesus does. He comes by your life and he calls you. Now, I say this from experience, personal. He calls you. And whatever reason we don't do it, or he speaks, you know what he does? Oh, you'd like to think he puts his hand on you. Well, now listen, son, I want to try to explain it. He doesn't do that. He walks. He keeps walking. And you're sitting there alone, and he's gone. That's what he does. He has a very high standard, very high call. And all it costs us is everything we are. That's all it costs us. So, you know whether you have that power or not. Every man knows his own soul. If you have that Holy Spirit bearing witness in you, then you know that you're born again. If you don't have that Holy Spirit, you're not born again. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirits that we are sons of God. Romans. So that's the first thing. Second thing, the baptism. The baptism evidences power. And it's pretty much spelled out what that power looks like. That's the evidence. Tongues is a gift. And there's a lot of different manifestations we could teach you on that. We're not going to do that today. The point is, is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit brings power into our lives that we can walk out. So here's one of the challenges that I have. That last week, a couple of you came up, tried to help me. I thank God that um, power is the answer, right? But you see, in... Uh, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, and on that day, and, and there, many will come to me, and they'll say, Lord, and they'll, they'll list their resume of power. And in that one, I think they cast out devils, they, they performed miracles, and they prophesied. 
that's pretty substantially good, you know? But Jesus said, I never knew you. So they didn't have the Holy Spirit, or Jesus would have known them. They didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we know, because they didn't have the Holy Spirit because Jesus didn't know them. So when I say that generally works of power would be sufficient for me to understand that that's true, I can't because those guys would deny that that's true. There's power. I don't know if it's tongues or it's not. So maybe I'll alter my stance a little bit and I'll say until you know you've received power. And, and just the last thing I'll say, and then I'll be done on this for today, is he talked about, Kennard, he talked about fasting, like, you know, some people have had to fast and whatever. The testimony of Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul, the Lord sent Ananias, remember I told you he sent Ananias, he told Saul to wait in, you know, to go on to um, Damascus and wait. Well, the three days that Saul had to wait for Ananias to come, he didn't eat and he didn't drink. So, so he was f- substantially fasting. And when Ananias arrived, he would find Saul praying. So he wasn't just fasting. He was praying, right? And, and this is just, you know, I don't know what to think of this, but, you know, the whole 4K and, you know, from black and white to color, maybe it's symbolic, maybe it's just interesting. But when, when the Lord met Saul on the road to Damascus, Saul became blind, and for three days he couldn't see. And and when Ananias laid hands and prayed that he be baptized in the Holy Spirit, his eyes were opened. The scales fell off his eyes, and he could see again. Now, I don't know if that has anything to do with nothing, but that's how it feels to me when I hear the testimony of people that I cannot question. That they, I mean, I can't. I don't have that experience. I had a powerful physical experience. I began to speak in tongues. In the, in the moment that I thought was my Holy Spirit baptism. But I didn't have that 4K, wow, everything became clear to me that I've heard people say numerous times. And that's why I say, I'm going to ask God to continue to baptize me and, and ask him to forgive me if he gave it to me and I'm not believing it. I hope he's more gracious than that to just, I, I've been praying, Lord, what's the sign? Show me what the sign is. If it's tongues, then just make me to know that. If it's something else, make me to know that. But I don't want to pray for people and and tell them, good job, we prayed, we believe, you got baptized in the Holy Spirit, if they didn't. Because I don't know how to know except that they'll have power. But he doesn't explain exactly what that is. All right, so before you start, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you that the wind is blowing through this place, and I thank you that as it blows through different individuals, that, that they respond to your wind and that we all can be edified by what you're doing and what you're saying through Jesus' body. Help us, Lord, to have understanding, to, to rightly divide your word. Help me, Lord, especially, to rightly divide your word and only preach that, is, that which is true. But ultimately, Lord, I pray that we will be a church with power, that we won't be... Um, the kingdom that has no power, just words, that we will be so powerful in destroying the works of the devil and seeking and saving that which is lost in declaring your kingdom everywhere we go, Lord, that will be done in accordance with the very power that you desire for us to have. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.